Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, we got a mailbag edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. Great questions coming up. For you, of course, the Bucks are down in Miami practicing at the Dolphins facility, preparing for their game this weekend. Sunday night still scheduled. We'll have to see where that game ultimately is played, hopefully at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, but they are uh, in South Florida, of course, getting ready for that one. A uh, little bit of news uh, because of the uh, sort of uncertainty with that situation. Bruce Arians was going into the Ring of Honor at halftime of this game, they're going to postpone that or delay it, I guess, to another date, another home date down the road. So uh, if you're looking forward to seeing Bruce Arians' name hung in the ring of honor, even if they do play the game at Raymond James, that won't be the case this weekend. It'll be another home game uh, in the future. So just keep that in mind. Hey, wanted to also remind you guys, if you want to save money on your electric bill, we have a way to do it. It's May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing Solar electric systems for 12 years. Now, there's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and service warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're installing. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know who is doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long and preserve the quality of your life and preserve your appliances as well. That's May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. Rick, we have a couple more uh, Hurricane Ian weather-related stuff. And just so everyone knows, we're taping this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Of course, the storm surges and winds and all that will kick up probably later this evening. As your time you're hearing this, we'll be feeling it in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, But USF's game on Saturday is not going to be played at Raymond James Stadium. They're playing ECU down at Boca Raton at FAU. And that game's been moved up to 2.30 on Saturday on ESPN+. And then uh, the Lightning have moved their training camp essentially to Nashville at this point. Um, Tuesday night they played a game in Raleigh. The rest of the team is now... Uh, in Nashville, they're going to make up one of the games that was canceled for Wednesday, Thursday. They're going to play that in Nashville Thursday night at 8 o'clock uh, Eastern, and then they have a 6 o'clock Eastern game on Friday against Nashville and Nashville. So both those games, instead of a home-and-home, home, both of them are going to be in Nashville now this week. So, Yeah. Well, a lot of the – you know, you think about professional sports, and, and I was uh, chatting with Brian Ford the other day, who's the COO of the Bucks, and I was like, you know uh, – it's emotional if you haven't been through this and Tom Brady talked about it on his let's go podcast. Like you, you really have a different sense of urgency when that, you know, hurricane is sort of pointed in your direction. But in the case of these athletes who are already, you know, have tough jobs and they got to prepare for games and play games during the week and stuff like that, they're leaving their families in some cases, their kids, their wives, uh, the Buccaneers, I think at least, uh, have given, the families an opportunity to join them 
in Miami or in South Florida. Of course, the, the facility is actually in Davie, Florida. But um, so, yeah, if, if, you know, they, they had kids or they had wives or whatever uh, that, that wanted to get out of harm's way and not have to be worried about them uh, back in the Tampa Bay area, they were able to go with them to Miami. But look, it's a, it's a, a tough week to prepare, right? Because our, you know, our thoughts are, are not necessarily first and foremost on, on playing games. And, and yet this is their job. This is what they do. And there will be a game played somewhere on Sunday. And so, you know, they got to get ready, but they've also got lives too. So a lot of things going on right now uh, with uh, the hurricane preparation for Ian. All right, we'll get to the mailbag here, and we'll start with Tech One, who emailed or tweeted, with tickets to Sunday's game and also traveling from out of town, when could we expect guidance from the NFL if the game would be in Tampa versus another venue and whether it might be Sunday or Monday? Thank you. Well, I would think that we would know something probably by Friday. I think this thing has to sort of make landfall, and that could be anywhere from, you know, what late Wednesday, early Thursday, I guess sometime. I mean, you just don't know these things get out in the Gulf and they can stall. Um, you know, I think the last time I checked, it was moving about 15 miles an hour or so. So, I mean, all that just depends on the storm. And, you know, if, if it gets to a point where they feel like it's going to be a major storm, catastrophic type, type results uh, somewhere on the West coast of Florida, that's near Tampa, they may decide, look, emergency services, uh, are going to be needed, you know, to that area that's not that far from the Tampa Bay region, and therefore maybe you wouldn't have enough to spare to to put on a National Football League game on Sunday night here at Raymond James. So uh, they're monitoring all those things. There's been reports uh, on the NFL Network and others that, you know, for that same reason, they probably wouldn't play the game down at Hard Rock in Miami because even if, Miami's not involved in a direct hit, which it doesn't appear they will be. Their services may be needed elsewhere, and they may lend a hand uh, to that area where where it does come ashore. Uh, And so, you know, optically, that might not be the best thing either. So I've heard places as far away as Minneapolis because the Vikings are in London to play the New Orleans Saints. And you would say, well, why not New Orleans? Well, there's a lot of reasons why not New Orleans, but not the least of which. It may not be much of a home field advantage if you invite Saints fans to root for Kansas City. But um, but we'll we'll know if we don't already by the time you hear this podcast. And we are we are taping this uh, you know on Tuesday afternoon. But um, but look, I I I can appreciate people that that have folks coming in or they have tickets and and there's really nothing you can say except you know this thing is unpredictable and they're going to need a few days to figure it out. But they're making contingencies and right now at least uh, before the storm hits, the plan is to play Sunday night at Raymond James, and we haven't heard anything to the different. All right, Tommy had tweeted us. He says, if the NFL has to move the Bucks chiefs game on Sunday night, how much of a big revenue hit is it for the Bucks because they can't host the game at Raymond James Stadium? Well, it's significant. I mean, the TV money, as we've always said, is is you know sort of the biggest revenue boost for, for any franchise. But, um, you know, you're talking about, where they have a record crowd, nearly 70,000 that were in the house for the Green Bay Packers game. I would imagine, I know all these games are sold out. They added, you know, those seats in the south, uh, or I guess it's the north end zone, um, opposite the pirate ship to increase uh, attendance. So, look, with with parking, with concessions, uh, I don't know what the total revenue is per game, mm-hmm. uh, but you would think it would be pretty significant. Um, and, and how they make that up, 
Well, there'll be some ticket sales if they do go someplace else. They'll get those. And, and then beyond that, I, I don't really know, to be honest with you. Um, well, there's also an expense hit. I mean, they're paying for hotels in Miami for all these players. All that's week. correct. That's, um, that's and, correct. And now, some businesses, and the Bucks have done mm-hmm. this in the past. They did it with Irma. Uh, they applied and, I think, received money from the federal government for hurricane relief mm-hmm. because it affected their business. And this would be one of those cases, right, where you had – uh, an event plan that got uh, postponed or canceled and you lost a lot of revenue. So uh, they were, I think they were successful in getting some of that revenue back. The Miami Dolphins were supposed to open the season here and they didn't. Uh, they wound up playing that game in November because they both had the same bye week. So they, they had they had the same allotment of home games. This would not be the case if this game was moved. And they've already got one game in London uh, already prepared too. So yeah, I I think they would probably have a claim of some kind, but listen, um, I I think there's more more concerning things to the Glazers right now. They just they they want to play the game here for their fans. They'd like to play it here for their football team to give them the best opportunity to win. And more importantly, if if they can play, it means that this area has been spared the biggest brunt of the hurricane, and that would that would be a good thing for for the Tampa Bay region. Wherever it comes ashore, it's going to be a bad thing for them. Um, but certainly they're they're still hopeful in the league. The league is still hopeful as well. They haven't made a decision at least as we as we do this this podcast on Tuesday afternoon. All right, Ellis tweeted us. He says it is unfortunate, but how much does Donovan Smith's absence highlight how truly valuable he is? Well, we've been I've been saying it for a long time. I I, I know that there there's been sort of almost most of his career, especially early in his career, this idea that he was a lesser left tackle than, say, uh, Ali Marpet was a guard or Ryan Jensen was a center or, you know, Alex Kappa or, you know, I mean, you can go right down the list of, of, of good offensive linemen that he's played. And, and many of those guys, including Tristan Wirfs, made Pro Bowls, right? And, and Donovan has not. But you know what? I, I think he's played at a Pro Bowl level at times. And particularly he did that during the 2020 season when they won the Super Bowl. It's hard in this league to find, first of all, a, a, a guy at left tackle that can you can count on. The biggest thing you can say about Donovan until this season is his durability was his calling card. He did not miss games. Hell, he didn't miss snaps. I mean, this guy has been a starter from the day that he walked into the building out of Penn State. So I think at the end of the day, you know, when you consider all the great edge rushers in the NFC, in the AFC that he has faced uh, over these years, he has more than held his own. And I thought, uh, even after Tom Brady got here, that Donovan Smith took it to another level. And that's expected, right? Because not that you don't block hard for Jameis Winston or whoever's at quarterback, but you know what's at stake. You know you have an iconic guy that can get you to the promised land and did. And, you know, if that doesn't motivate you to win a Super Bowl, knowing that it that is, everything is possible, if you can just, you know, protect the guy from getting getting crushed, uh, that's good motivation. And and so, I do, I do think that it highlights Donovan Smith's value. And anytime they've had to play without him, nothing against Josh Wells, nothing against Brandon Walton, but they're not Donovan Smith. And that's when you really appreciate him. You know, it's like you're gonna miss me when I'm gone, right? The old song. Uh, and I think people miss Donovan Smith right about now. All right, Jay had tweeted us. He said, I've watched the last three games, and the route running has been off. If the receiver catches the ball, he has no separation and falls down, or they're not finding the sticks, and the third downs are short. 
Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, there's there's been a lot of underneath throws, um, and I think that Tom Brady is is probably getting rid of the ball as quickly as I've seen him, and I think it's intentional because I think he realizes he's got some inexperienced offensive linemen, and in some cases, like Brandon Walton, guys that have made you know just made their first start, and that can be an overwhelming thing for for young players, and so I think there's there's a trust issue there, and that's why I think the ball's coming out as far as route running and, and, and yards after catch and things like that, I would say, well, you know, first of all, look who they're throwing it to. There are some guys on this team that are up in age. Um, some can't run very well, whether you're talking about Kyle Rudolph, uh, Cameron Brait, you know, isn't the most fleet of guys. Some of the guys they look for. And then, of course, last week, you know, we saw the Cole Beasleys and, and some new players uh, that were put in positions. That's that's certainly part of it. But, uh separation i mean many times you know brady throws you open whether there's separation or not the separation can be the length of an arm or a hand and brady's going to find you but the biggest thing is that they just they're not attacking the ball they're not attacking defenses vertically they're not taking those shots that they took with bruce arians and again it all comes back to protection it's inexperience on the offensive line and injuries i mean you can't go into games you know, look at the Dallas game when they had their full complement of receivers. What did you see? A 48-yard bomb to Julio Jones, which I think, think he hurt his knee on. But they threw the ball down the field and hit it with Julio Jones in a huge play. You saw the one touchdown, the one-handed catch to Mike Evans down on the goal line. Spectacular play uh, by a player that's, you know, really kind of putting together a, a Hall of Fame resume, if you will. So, you know, that's sort of what you need on the field if you're going to make big plays like that splash plays chunk plays you need great players and they just haven't had enough guys on the field long enough and together enough even in the even in the preseason i mean russell gage did practice very much and you always hear this word around the box it's called time or this series of words it's called time on task they need more time with brady more time on task in practice uh, to get the rhythm down to get all of that down and so I think when you, when you, you know, as we get deeper into the season, if these guys can remain healthy, I think you'll see better execution, more precision, more separation, and they'll be able to scheme up some things and get some guys more open. But, yeah, I agree. Right now it seems like every pass is contested. Everything is underneath. And, again, I think it's a combination of the injuries and, you know, just the inexperience. John had tweeted us. He says, I wonder why Keyshawn Vaughn is getting zero carries. Watch the Philadelphia playoff game last January when Leonard Fournette couldn't go. He looked like the real deal, had a really good game. With Lenny getting hit so much, I don't get why the Bucks don't give him part of the load at least. Thank you. Well, that's now you, me, and we can include Todd Bowles in that very same sentiment because he has finally come around, at least verbalized this. It hasn't. Uh, again, it's one of those, you know, I'm from Missouri, show me. He hasn't shown us that what he's saying he's going to do. But what he has been saying, or at least what he said after this game, is, look, we have to get more running backs involved. You know, we have other guys, including Keyshawn Vaughn. And you're right. I mean, I remember when Leonard Fournette hurt his hamstring, the final three regular season games of last year. I mean, they were, you know, the Bucks had a very, very big wild card game at home against Philadelphia. And we know how good Philadelphia is because you see how they play now. Uh, in this division, leading their division, and, and Jalen Hurts playing very, very well. And it was a tough game, but Leonard Fournette 
kind of the idea was he was going to get back by the end of that week. Well, you know what? He didn't. He didn't make it back. And it kind of surprised a lot of coaches that he had missed three of the last regular season games, and the idea was to get him healthy for the playoffs, and then he didn't make it to the playoffs. And so they were going into what could have been their final game of the year against the Eagles, and Keyshawn Vaughn was the dude. I mean, he was the guy. And he did play very, very well. And since then, they've been big, you know, they call him Snacks, but it's his nickname, but they've been big, you know, on Keyshawn Vaughn and, and just, you know, how they challenged him in the offseason to improve every facet of his, of his game, you know, running, blocking, pass receiving, and they said, and he has done it. Well, what happened when the season began? The guy didn't even get a helmet. I mean, he's inactive, right? And I know that some of that's a function of special teams, et cetera. Look, they thought Rashad White beat him out. They thought that this is our, our number two running back. That's their evaluation. We know that White was explosive in the preseason. But you know what? When Vaughn played, he played pretty good too. And finally, finally, Todd Bowles said just the other day on Monday that they have got to get more guys involved in the running game like Vaughn and, you know, and others and, and White. And I think they're going to start to do that. I really do. I think it, it, it just has run its course with Leonard Fournette, the amount of carries he's had, the amount of hits he's taken, and just the predictability of, you know, he's going to run out here in the flat in the screen game. He's going to run inside on this, run inside on that, maybe an occasional toss. And I think teams are looking for it. They're keying on him. And they'll key on the next running back too. But, you know, you, you don't want to run a guy into the ground in September when you hope to have him, you know, in January. So I think the Bucks have to be smart and sort of manage the whole season. I know they want to win every game, but you do have a full roster. You got 53 guys on that team. You should start using them. All right, Paul had tweeted us. He said, what's the deal with Devin Tompkins not getting a look? He seems to be a very dynamic talent. It's got to be special teams deal. Plus, if White can't get in the game with a limited offense, then will he play any role at all this year? My guess is Leonard Fournette has to get injured for him to play. Again, it kind of goes back to the last question. I mean, White is their kickoff return guy, so right now all he's doing is playing special teams, and there's got to be more involvement with him. As far as Tompkins go, I mean, I know they loved him. The guy's got spectacular hands. Um, And, yes, special teams, anytime you're talking about the fifth, sixth, seventh receiver, if you're going to have that many up on Sunday, he has to play some teams. I don't think it's necessarily a strength of Tompkins. Uh, but gosh darn, you know, uh, you go and you take a Cole Beasley sort of, you know, off the street and you plug him right in the game and he catches a big fourth down pass. I think it says a lot about where this team is at and kind of who's in control of it. And, and where it's at is zero-sum game, Tom Brady's last year, most likely in Tampa, maybe in football. We're not, you know, the old green bananas. We're not buying. The, we, we want experienced players because of the trust factor. Tompkins may become a great player. I think he has some of the best hands I've ever seen, and that's saying something. But he's got to force his way onto the team somehow, and that's going to be difficult with the number of veteran receivers on this roster. Tom Brady is in charge of who he throws to. And, you know, if there's enough guys hurt, yes, you would think that, you know, before the year is over that that Tompkins will get his shot. But they still went off the street with a Cole Beasley who had over 80 catches last year, and you you trust a guy over a rookie. It's just because of what the stakes are and what they're playing for. But I would love to see, you know, some of the younger uh, players because I think think they have some explosive talent. And, 
you know, they got to develop it, and you do that in practice. You do that on the scout team. He's not even running the Bucks offense right now. He's, you know, simulating other receivers from the opponent and things like that. That's his job. That's his role. But you would like to see him get that opportunity. It just it hasn't happened yet, and it's probably going to take some more injuries, unfortunately. All right, David had emailed us uh, two questions, actually, to rstroud at tampabay.com. So number one, Aaron Rodgers said after the game he saw something on the Jumbotron that tipped him off to what play the Bucks were going to run for the two-point conversions. Do they have any idea exactly what he saw, and will they do anything to avoid this from happening in future games? And two, is it possible that offenses like the Bucks are starting slow because of the lack of preseason work and due to the fact it's easier for defenses to get a faster start? All right, we'll take one first. Uh, it was interesting. There was, it was a very uh, sort of nervous moment in the room on Monday when I asked Bruce Arians about the game day operation in that, you know, Aaron Rodgers told uh, Tom Rinaldi after the game that, you know, there was something on the jumbotron that probably shouldn't have been there. And he went and, you know, went to Matt LaFleur and told him with presumably told Joe Barry and that it helped them on the two point conversion play. And listen, I, I don't know and haven't heard specifically what Rodgers thought he saw, but it was apparent that, somehow the jumbotron was showing a shot, a sideline shot of, of Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich prior to that, that play. Now, you know, whether they got, I don't know what they would have got a close up on the play card. I would think not, but you know, whether they can read lips, personnel groupings, uh, I, I don't know, but there was something that Rogers said after the game that helped them. Todd Bull said there was going to be a meeting on Monday, and I very much believe there probably was. I don't know if anyone got fired, but I would say this. If you see a sideline shot prior to a two-point conversion or a major play in the game like that on the scoreboard, it would be shocking to me. I mean, not not to where they're going over plays and trying to select personnel groupings and things like this. You might see some sideline shots, but um, I would think that if somebody wasn't terminated, and I haven't heard that they were, that there's probably a new Todd Bowles rule or maybe the Aaron Rodgers rule uh, that we don't show the sideline, you know, prior to critical offensive plays because <laughs> just the mere idea that that might have happened is really unnerving, right? Yeah, I would imagine every team in the NFL is going through that this week. Yeah, they're all having that meeting, yeah. It's like, you know, let's review what we put on the scoreboard and when you're allowed to do what not because – right. You know, right. the last thing you want to do is give the other team an advantage. Yeah, I mean, you know, up to that point, if you're a game day operations guy, like the biggest decision you have to make make is like, do we put the Tampa Bay sign up on the scoreboard to get the fans going, or do we, you know, like it, it's this is not typically a a stressful job, so to speak. Um, you show replays, you sh- you know, you do the basic stuff, and then all of a sudden this comes in. You got Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this has. Can you imagine the operations guys? Like, wait, what did he say? We we did what? We he saw something on the scoreboard that we put up there. Oh my God! You know, that's a bad Monday for that person, whoever it was. So now all the scoreboard operators are going to be putting up the opposing team sideline the whole game, correct? <laughs> Absolutely, and getting as tight as you can. I mean, look if you can glean stuff from those shots, you might want to aim that camera at the opponent's sideline. That would be fantastic. All right, one more on the Bucks, and we'll get a couple USF questions. Bob had uh, emailed you. He said, offensive woes are because, A, Tom Brady took an 11-day vacation during training camp. 
B, the preseason's only three games and the starters only get limited reps. C, the offense is working with a new starting right guard, new starting center, new starting left guard, new starting left tackle, new starting tight end, and three new starting receivers. Or D, all of the above, but mainly the changes in personnel. I would say that it's D. And D kind of folds into the, the lack of a preseason, right? Because when you have that much change, and remember, you know, they won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and, and, and a bunch of guys that he had a lot to do with adding. And then they ran it back. They, they brought all 22 starters back, and they got a ton of injuries in the secondary, and, and things weren't just quite the same. But for the most part, it was the exact same team as the one that won the Super Bowl. Well, this year, they had to do something different, and they couldn't re-sign everybody. And a lot of guys came up in free agency. They kept the ones that they liked. But then you had injuries again occur. And it, it's a great point when you, when you spell it out like that, when you go, okay, so, so here we go. So Ryan Jensen, key, key player, first free agent signed after Tom Brady. In fact, the day that Tom Brady decided to come back and end his retirement, they re-signed Ryan Jensen, who I was convinced was on his way to Cincinnati or someplace else. So he goes out and he gets hurt second day train camp. So you have a new right, right guard, or I'm sorry, a new center. And then your right guard uh, is new because it's Shaq Mason who replaces Alex Kappa, who's in Cincinnati. Your left guard, let's, this wasn't even part of the equation, your left guard, Ali Marpet, he up and retires at age 28, right? You didn't expect him to be gone. And then, you know, you draft a guy in Luke uh, Gedeke to, to replace him. Now you have a left tackle in Donovan Smith that's out on top of it. So now the only guy that was on the offensive line when you won a Super Bowl is Tristan Wirfs. That's the only guy you're playing with right now. Uh, you know, those other guys got to come back. And then you go to the tight end position. Yeah, you don't have Gronkowski, the greatest tight end of all time, in my opinion. First ballot Hall of Fame player, no question about it. Tom's sort of safety valve and all of that. And then last game, three new wide receivers. No wonder they didn't score any points, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing constant about this lineup is Brady. Well, and let's you talk know? about some other changes. Bruce Arians is not the head coach anymore. Big one. You're not Huge. trying the no risk it, no biscuit philosophy of chucking Correct. it down the field as much. Correct. You're purposely running the ball a lot more, mm-hmm. which – slows the or you know shortens the game essentially and you're not getting those big chunk plays like you do in the passing game when you're chucking it down that's right so some of it's by design that the offense is going to be now slower now slowed it down you'd like to see more of those balls caught by receivers and you'd like to see it be a little more a little better protection for brady in the pocket so he's got more time to throw it yeah but I, I think there's so many changes the ones that bob made but also the coaching change and the philosophy change is a big yeah. part of this, too. And a thing that gets overlooked because everybody's like, wow, the defense, man, they're so good if we just had an offense. You want to know one of the major reasons why the defense is good? Because of how they're playing offense. Mm-hmm. Right? And you say, well, they're not scoring any points. They're not playing well. I don't know what you mean. How can that help the defense? Well, up until the last game, they didn't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. Okay? And mostly, they've been running the football. Okay? And against Dallas, when they ran it for 127 with, with Fournette, you know what that did? That chewed up an awful lot of clock, man. Those are minutes and plays that the opposing offense is not on the field. Your your defensive players are getting rested, and when they come back on, they're like 
you know, they're a house of fire. So that's sort of been one of the major reasons that gets overlooked is why this defense has been able to give up three, ten, and fourteen. So, you know, that's sort of like the deal. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think I think there it's a combination of those two things. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, we got some USF mailbag questions, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this with Matt Baker on tomorrow's podcast. And just a, a heads up with Hurricane Ian coming, we've already pre-taped the Matt Baker podcast for Thursday morning, knowing that the storm was going to be hitting our area Wednesday night. You're not always sure about power, et cetera. So that episode's been pre-taped, uh, previewing college football this weekend. But Eric had tweeted us, and he said, how much longer should USF go on with Jeff Scott as its head coach? While he came into a tough situation a couple years ago, it's now year three, and most games the team is out of before halftime. You know, I, I struggle because I hate – I wouldn't want people calling for my job. I'm not really in that business. but Oh, people call you, for your job lots, though. Well, that's true. Screw it. Uh, <laughs> let's, just, let's just jump on the bandwagon then. Um, they do call for my – what am I thinking? I got trolls and trolls for years. There's a whole, there's a whole uh, well, I won't say what the fake website is, but it involves part of my name. Um, I think this, and we kind of said this at the beginning of the year, that, and we talked about it with Matt Baker, and I agree with him, but you can listen to that podcast. We don't have to replay it here. It was a difficult, first of all, USF's a diff, for whatever reason, USF has, has been a difficult program to gain momentum with since, Willie Taggart, I would say, you know, Quentin Flowers, that era, certainly Jim Levitt before that, they've struggled. And a lot has changed about college football, NILs and all this stuff, you know. But you should be able to keep good players at home. I think Scott is a good guy, a great human, probably a pretty good recruiter. But he was a first he is a first time head coach. And he came in during a pandemic, not good. Second year Still not good, but now you've got your guys, and there's really no excuses. I thought they maybe had turned the corner when they played Florida. Then they lay the incredibly bad, bad egg up in Louisville. To me, this is sort of do or die. You know, like you're playing in conference play now, but not against the top conference teams, right? You're not you're not playing a Houston. Um, you know, SMU, you know, some of those teams. So you need to handle business. You need to handle your business with East Carolina. And and look, the Pirates aren't going to come in here and just, you know, think they can't win. I mean, they're looking at USF going, we got this one, you know. Like, we might get beat in some of these other games, but we got this one. And they're playing a game down at Florida Atlantic. That game has been moved because of, because of the hurricane. But come hell or high water, no pun intended, uh, they've got to find a way to win a football game. I mean, you know, there's no moral victories now. You're in conference play. If you're going to be competitive in your conference, you have to win this game. And that's what this is about, you know. 
Sure, you can drop one to Florida and have close shaves here and there, but this is conference play. And USF should, and at this point, three, game, three, three years into the program, they should win. And they need to start winning, and they need to start winning right now. And if you can't, then I'm afraid that it's not going to go well for Coach Scott. I don't know if, when, how, buyout. You know, I don't know any of that stuff. And frankly, I don't mind. What, what the key will be to me is how does his team respond to him, right? They had a great game against Florida. They were absolutely putrid at Louisville. They know what's at stake. If he can't reach them, if he can't have them come out and execute and play really well and be prepared and play hard for him, then I'm afraid that he's an ineffective coach. I think, I think he's kind of lost his football team because, you know, they want to see success too. That's all players want is put me in a position to succeed. We want to win. Put me, give me a chance to win. And if his coach isn't doing it, they're going to start not believing in him either. And so – I think it's I think it's a critical critical game, the most critical that that Coach Scott has had to the to date. All right, Walker emailed us following up on that a few weeks ago. You mentioned John Gruden may someday get a coaching job at the college level. If Jeff Scott doesn't work out at USF, do you think Gruden would get any consideration? Would he take the job? I think he still lives in Tampa. Would be an easy commute and possibly a good recruiter for the area. All hypothetical, but fun to think about. I tell you what, man, I'm a good person. You know, I go to church. I got three sons. All those things he said at the Arkansas uh, quarterback club. I know. Well, I don't know. I would think, okay, that right about now, I do know this. Right about now, John Gruden is really, really, really missing ball, right? He's missing coaching, man. He's always wanted to be part of a team. You know, he, he was part of ESPN's team, and, and he wanted to be part of an NFL team again and went to the Raiders. But, you know, the, you can call it a cancel culture. I, I can't forgive the things he said. He can't forgive it. He, said, he even said it himself. He goes, you know, I know they were, they were shameful. I think he said, they're shameful. Um, and yet we're a forgiving society. I just want to know what work he's done to change his attitude more than anything else. Like, you know, it's one thing to say you're sorry, but then people want to know, well, are you sorry because you, it costs you your job? Or are you sorry because you truly realize you've hurt people, you know? And so I don't know what work he's done on that end. USF, yeah, it's in Tampa. I think coaching any ball right now, he would probably be receptive to. Uh, I don't know how he feels. You know, he's had the opportunity to coach college before and, and said no. Because I think he's an NFL coach at heart. I think that's sort of where he 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 feels the best. You know, dealing with with grown men, for the most part. I don't know how he would do with uh, eighteen to twenty two year olds. I don't know. Or in this case, there might be twenty four year olds with the with the, the transfer portals. So it's hard to predict that. I don't see us. I, I always say this: have the press conference. Right? Would it be popular among some Tampa Bay fans? Yes, but then immediately, you know. Questions about, you know, Hoban Fomic comments and, you know, you know, just, just everything, misogyny, like all that stuff ends up having to be answered by the, by the university president, you know, in the opening press conference. And it, it's, I don't think enough time has passed for that for USF. I don't think USF is looking for that. And John, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea to begin with. I mean, John's a grinder and he's going to be demanding and, you know, I don't, 
I don't know who so it would have to be somebody that had a relationship, I think, with John in some level that would hire him to begin with. And I would think there would have to be a lesser program even than USF. You know, like I, I think it would, I don't know. Like there are certain programs in the country, Liberty, you know, that gave Hugh Freeze another chance. Like there's certain programs that are sort of redemptive that way. I don't think USF is that program. I don't. So I don't think it'll happen, but it's an interesting, it'd be, I don't know. And I also don't know, like just in general, like would people be excited about that? I don't know. I mean, guy won a Super Bowl here. He's a 500 coach in the NFL. He's a former Ring of Honor member. Could you get back in the Ring of Honor in the stadium if USF adds it to the Raymond James? Well, you're taking out the bucks. Could you make the USF Ring of Honor? Could you make the USF Ring of Honor in their stadium? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Maybe be the first guy in it. You never know. I'll tell you what, man. Go Bulls. All right. Craig had emailed. He said, should USF look at Scott Frost? Jeff Scott's not doing well, and Scott Frost had great success at UCF. I don't know. I haven't found it. Of course, it's not working the other way right now with Coach Scott, but I haven't found it where guys working their way down the ladder of success to USF do very well, right? We had Charlie Strong, you know, coach of the University of Texas. Like, typically, those guys are just biding their time until they get the next, you know, Power 5 conference team school. They, they, you know, they've fallen out of favor like Scott Frost, and they're like, okay, let me go, let me go here and, and try to rebuild my my brand and and I'm going to take the next job at a Power 5 conference. So, I know what you're saying. I mean, Frost was good in this conference, great for USF. I don't know why it didn't. If there was ever like I I missed that, right? Like if you would have told me like is there ever a better marriage between you know, coach and 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 school than than a Scott Frost going to Nebraska? I mean, I I thought that would be a grand slam. I'm stunned that that it turned out the way it did. But I don't, I don't know for USF. I'd almost rather them take another chance, and I know they did with Jeff Scott. I'd almost really rather take another chance, a little bit like like Florida did with a Billy Napier, right? Like I don't know if you can get that quality mm-hmm. of coach, maybe that's on his way up. Well, Florida State with Mike guy. Norvell. Mike Norvell. I'd rather get a guy that's on his way up than on his way out. You know, that's just my opinion. If I'm a school like USF. You're in the you know power six or the group of five, what you know. Yeah. I want I want to be replacing my coach every three or four years. But yeah. it's because they've succeeded and moved up. I want that young, hungry coach. You know, yeah. I mean that's that's if you're you're USF, you're UCF, although UCF's now going to the Big Twelve. I've seen it in Cincinnati for years. You know, I want the young, hungry coach that I have to replace three or four years from now. But it's because he left the program in a better shape than when he got there. Yeah. I'll take yeah. that replacement every time. Yeah, okay. You know, it, you know, Cincinnati had a long line of, you know, from Brian Kelly to Mark D'Antonio to Yeah. Butch Jones went to Tennessee. He didn't succeed That's there, right. but he did well at Cincinnati. Then they brought in Tommy Tuberville. Mm-hmm. Woof. Yeah. Yeah, see? That's what I mean. You know, and, and and I know some inside there where Tommy wasn't really interested in coaching Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, and then they got back to Luke Fickle, right? Who had been an interim coach at Ohio State, but never really the head coach. Took over in May for Jim Tressel when he was fired. But you know, I want that young, hungry guy. I want the guy that that, like I said, three or four years. If I'm a school that's out of the Power Five, you know, you having success means you're going to lose your coach, more than likely. 
because resources, finances, all that stuff. You're not bringing in as much money. You don't have the the $1.1 billion contract that the Big Ten network has with with the networks. You know, your conference right. doesn't. So, you know, if, if, if you're going to replace Jeff Scott, I want another young, hungry coach that, like I said, you're going to have to replace. I don't necessarily want the guy that is trying to rehab his image or whatever else. Although, no, we'll see how Gus Malzahn does at UCF. Yeah, but I don't need it. I just mm-hmm. don't. I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like he's been to the mountaintop. He just mm-hmm. wants to get back there, and he's going to take as many shortcuts as he can to do it. You know what I mean? It, it, it many, yes. I, I, don't, I think there probably are exceptions to those rules. Maybe. You know, because it, it, it depends on the <laughs> individual. Know. But, you know. I don't know, man. But I, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there's probably Listen, one Listen, there's advantages. There's advantages to guys who have done it before and know what it looks like. There mm-hmm. is. Because mm-hmm. first-time head coaches don't know. And you talk to Todd Bowles about this in the NFL. He's like, what makes you confident that you'll be better? Well, because I know all the answers to the test. And you can't possibly know what you don't know if you're a first-time coach. And I think that's Scott's problem. Like, typically what they do, and Bruce Arians going back as far as the 80s with Temple, he said he almost killed him when he took his first head coaching job with Temple. He said, I, I literally, I tried to do everything. Mm-hmm. Hell, he would have mowed the grass. You know, like, he was a control freak. He didn't learn to let go and build a staff and trust those guys and teach them how to coach. And, you know, um, but... You love the enthusiasm. You love, you know, but, but there's something to be said for somebody who has seen the kind of problems that come across your desk that distract you from the game plan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so having said all that, I, I still don't want a guy who is just looking to, to make, you know, have some good, good outcomes and, and get right back into the power five again. Like if that's his goal, and it should be everybody's goal to, to improve and, 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 you know, prosper. But I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm leery of that, that candidate, you know. Great questions. As always, you can send those to us anytime. You don't have to wait for a mailbag call. Just do that on Twitter at SportsATB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We appreciate the feedback. A lot of you asking if we were going to have the podcast throughout the hurricane. We know you have time on your hands. Hopefully you're listening to this. We've managed to pre-tape some of these. We'll have Matt Baker tomorrow, our college football writer. Some big games on tap, including Florida State hosting Wake Forest. Well, he will, he will be, so you want to make sure you're on hand for that. And the Bucks will, uh, of course, will know more about their plans as they continue preparations for their game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, check out TampaBay.com and the Tampa Bay Times for the latest updates on when and where that game will be played. Just a reminder, uh, support our sponsor. If you want to save money on an electric bill, May Electric Solar can do that. They've been here for 12 years. They have a 30-year labor and services warranty, $750 worth of surge protection. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com.